You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and we are bringing you the first off-season edition of the Chris and Joe Show here, part of Big Blue View. And it's going to be a very long off-season, especially considering the fact that the Giants are currently searching for a new head coach after firing Pat Shermer earlier in the week. We've got a lot that we're going to be getting to upcoming for the offseason, so we're going to touch on what the offseason is going to be like, what you should be expecting. And then the remainder of the show, though, we're going to be discussing head coaching situations as well as evaluating the season and the roster and the players on the Giants team as a whole. But first, getting into it, what we're going to be doing for the next month is evaluating each specific position group for the Giants, letting you know who's good, who's not, who should be staying, who should be going, taking a look in at specific regions of the team and, and giving you a good sense of how talent evaluators would be looking at those guys and how the front office and the new head coach will be evaluating the position groups moving forward. And additionally, something that we're going to be implementing this offseason that we're going to be doing is a weekly mailbag show. So every Friday, we're going to be doing a mailbag and the way that we're going to go about this is if you ever have any questions, you can tweet at Chris or I, but we the preferred method of sending them in, please send them in to the Big Blue View Gmail account. That's bigblueview at gmail.com. Any questions you have that you want to be answered, and these questions are more specific to uh, things like free agency or the drafts, particular prospects or free agents that you want us to evaluate and talk about. Uh, giving you the analysis side of things for when it comes to the mailbag and, and, and all that stuff. You can also, we'll be um, making postings on Facebook too. You can comment there as well. But we're trying to give an opportunity for uh, our listeners to ask us questions and also so we can answer them and get that information out to them. All right, now we're going to go right on into it discussing the head coaching situation for the Giants. There is a long laundry list of people that the Giants are going to be interviewing and talking to over the next few weeks, starting off with Baylor's Matt Rule, also on here, former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy, Dallas defensive passing game coordinator Chris Richard, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, Ravens defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, Pats offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, and Pats special teams coordinator Joe Judge. And Chris, you and I were saying this before the show, this is a pretty long list <laughs> that we've got right now. It, it, it really is, but yeah, I'm glad the Giants are casting a wide net. I'm glad they're going to be talking to a lot of guys. I'm glad they're going to be talking to a wide variety of guys. I, they're going into the college ranks, 
they're looking at some established coaches. They're looking at some well, very well regarded coordinators. They're looking at a couple defensive guys, which is something they haven't do haven't done since uh, I don't know Bill Parcells maybe, and also a special teams coach, which is unusual. Usually, it is either really standout defensive guys like Rex Ryan is the one who obviously stands out, but there have been a few and most often teams hire offensive minded coaches because well, offense is just that important to winning in the NFL. You got to score points and offense. It tends to be a little bit more stable from year to year than defense. John Harbaugh in Baltimore is to my knowledge, the only current head coach who was a special teams coordinator. So to me, to me, that kind of makes Joe judge just a little bit interesting. And it's interesting that a team like the giants who don't normally venture too far off the beaten path are going that direction. It's kind of funny that you bring up how John Harbaugh is the only current head coach who's a special teams coordinator. And it goes along with the line of every off season and coaching carousel and uh, draft period teams are always trying to copy the most successful team in the NFL and what they did. So last year it was find anyone that knows Sean McVay and also find anyone that is young and offensive minded and we're going to hire them and make them the next great young head coach. Well, that doesn't always work out, but this this time around it's a little bit safer because the Ravens have the best coaching staff. So that means, hey, we're going to go talk to Wink Martindale. We're going to go talk to Greg Roman, but also maybe going down that path of going with somebody who's not swaying on one side of the ball more than the other of offense or defense with going with a special teams coordinator in Joe Judge. So I, I don't, I do agree that it's a bit odd. It's a bit unordinary, but when you're the Giants and a team that a franchise that's been dealing with so little success and so much adversity over the past decade, it doesn't really hurt to do something a little bit different and, and experiment with things. And if you really like the guy and he ends up being the best possible candidate, then give him a shot. All this though really begs the question is what are we really looking for in this new head coach? So we, we're, we're not giving a specific outlook and a very specific person when I'm asking this question, but more so what traits do we want to see and what type of a coach do we want? I think the first trait the giants are looking for, and I'll say I, the first trait I'm looking for as well is leadership. Can you command the respect of the locker room? Can you hold the players accountable and also hold yourself and your coaching staff accountable and also just lead the team while developing the large number of very young players on the Giants roster because right now the Giants don't really have anything like a veteran core they can rely on. You know, Eli Manning will be gone. They had veterans previously in Weston Richburg and Justin Pugh and Jason Pierre-Paul, Olivier Vernon, you know, all of those guys, they aren't here anymore. Right now the Giants have a lot of young players and relatively few guys who are on their second contracts in the prime of their career who have really been through the fire of the NFL enough to really be considered a veteran. They've got Sterling Shepard. They've got Dalvin Tomlinson. He's going into his third year. Evan Ingram's going into his fourth year. Jarrell Peppers is, I believe, going into his fourth year. 
that isn't a whole lot of a core. So I think the Giants should be looking for a head coach who can basically construct that core out of whole cloth. I think another thing too that goes along with leadership is is finding someone who, one who can rally, uh, you know, the the fifty three people on the roster. But the other thing too is, is someone who players want to come play for. So th- that means being able to attract free agents, or even when you're drafting uh, players, that when they get drafted by the Giants, they're excited to come play for this franchise and. Pat Shermer was a good offensive coordinator with the Vikings. I I, don't, I never really got that that vibe from him. I never really got that vibe that he can take things over and, and players want to come from all over to come play for him. And if you look at the free agent signings over the past two years, you can obviously put a little bit a lot more blame on Dave Gettleman. But maybe players in free agency weren't that attracted to really coming here to play for the Giants. So it should be someone that is able to command that much attention in free agency and bringing in a lot of big names, because right now that's going to be a big key drafting quality players that develop quickly and also making a few lucrative and high priced free agent signings to fill the major needs because you realistically can't fill everything in the draft. And the other thing though, I I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm a little bit not skeptical, but I'm a little bit wary of of hiring another offensive minded guru type coach. I feel like we need a little bit of a, a change of pace for the Giants and it would be a little bit better to see a defensive coordinator or maybe Joe Judge or uh, Baylor's Matt Rule, Mike McCarthy, who was previously a head coach who's established. I just don't know if these unestablished offensive coordinators not that they can't be good coaches, but we've had a, a track record over the past two coaches of it not really working out. Yeah, I think regardless of what side of the ball, and, and I'm accepting Joe Judge from this, which really is the most interesting thing about him, because I maybe we'll have to get Mark on to tell us a little bit about the Patriots' special teams. You guys can talk about that. For me, you know, coaches are going to side one way or the other, you know, one side of the ball or the other. I think the key thing there is that they don't let that really overshadow their responsibilities to the whole team, that they can see the forest and the trees, that maybe they can step away and let a coordinator actually handle that side of the ball so they can manage the whole game, you know, which was, I think, the best thing that Tom Coughlin had going for him, that he was able to be that CEO and let the defensive coordinator run the defensive side of the ball, let the offensive coordinator run the offensive side of the ball. But then he is there kind of overseeing both of them and running the whole game. I think part of what went wrong with both Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer is that they were hyper-focused on the offensive side of the ball. Those, those offenses were their offenses that was their baby. You know, I mentioned Rex Ryan a little while ago. He was very much like his father in that his I, as far as he was concerned, offense's job was to score enough points to give his defense a lead to protect, and then they could just kind of go away. He was concerned about the defense, and that was his baby. So I really hope the Giants' next head coach is more that CEO type. 
Yeah, that really is what I'm looking for. Now, I'm not saying, though, that if they do hire a, a current offensive coordinator that they can't be successful. There's a good chance that they could be and, and things could work out. I just It seems like the past few years it hasn't worked out well for the Giants, so they might need to change things up. Now going into what the real intent of the show was, which was evaluating the current Giants situation, how they sit with their roster and a number of different things. And the first thing we're going to discuss today is the current roster strengths as a whole. So the, the first one that really comes to mind, Chris, that I think is the strongest group right now is the defensive line. You look at Dexter Lawrence, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill, and then also if they decide to bring back Leonard Williams, who not as good as he's really going to be worth money-wise, but still, if you just look at the depth and talent in that unit as a whole, it is very, very good. It's a good overall strong group, and I would say that the whole season, they were the best unit on this team. They were stopping the run well towards the end, and they also were relatively consistent uh, in getting after the quarterback uh, maybe you could also include Marcus Golden in there, who's an outside linebacker, uh, an edge defender, and he had 10 sacks. So this this group, though, I, I, I'm very content with. A lot of the young pieces that they have here have worked well, maybe give or take keeping or letting go uh, Leonard Williams. Yeah, the Williams decision is going to be an interesting one. And yeah, I think we'll be talking a lot more about that just as the offseason goes on. This isn't the time to really dive into that. But I agree with you. The defensive line was definitely the best and most stable position on this entire roster. Dalvin Tomlinson has established himself, I think, as really one of the best nose tackles in the NFL. He was Pro Football Focus said today that he was the highest graded player on their defense. And honestly, I, I'm i an admitted fan of his going back to when he was playing at Alabama. But I think even they're underselling him just a little bit. B.J. Hill, he was playing well. He, got, he saw his role diminish when Leonard Williams came aboard. But he is, I think, definitely a starting caliber defensive lineman and a really good rotational player to have. Because whether the Giants are playing a three-man front, a four-man front, a multiple hybrid front, which I think is the way pretty much every defense has to go nowadays and mix three, four and four, three concepts, having guys like BJ Hill and Dexter Lawrence who can command double teams, but also have the explosiveness and the power to attack gaps and threaten in the backfield. That is a really nice stout rotation to have. It is a foundation that the Giants can build the rest of their defense on. The disappointing thing, though, with talking about how good this defensive line is, we're starting to realize more and more in the future of the NFL that defensive line's not really the, the way to go as far as having a lot of big space-eating players like the Giants to in being successful because you can't really use those guys that much to uh, defend against these high-powered passing offenses. There's been a bit of a re revitalization towards running the ball from some of these better teams like the 49ers and Ravens, but still, the way to go is to get edge rushers and things like that. Maybe some of the computer people that were hired by Dave Gettleman can help figure some of that stuff out. But the other strength, I would say, for position groups is, uh, is receiver. And I know that sounds a little bit crazy because there wasn't really any overtly productive guys on this list 
we had two of them, actually all three of them had uh, issues with injuries during the year and were not available for every single game. None of them went over a thousand yards receiving or had a crazy statistical game, but the receiving group of Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, and Sterling Shepard has promise and potential. But what I will say is that this group is not the best position group because they're still one good player away. And I think they can do that in the draft, maybe free agency if they can get someone for cheap or trade for someone. One more player will fully round out this receiving group because I see a list of three number two guys and Sterling Shepard's a slot receiver. They need a number one receiver. They need someone that can be that thousand yard receiver guy that can catch over 70 balls. Otherwise it's going to be a little bit inconsistent. Like we saw during the season. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I might go so far as to say they need two receivers because golden Tate is not a long-term answer. He will be here next year and hopefully he will still be a solid receiver next year. Get over 30. That's tough to exactly say when the end will come when guys will just fall off a cliff athletic it does happen hopefully it won't happen next year for tate but he is over 30 he is i think getting towards the end of his career i think the giants could use one more receiver to develop and hopefully that would be a number one guy you know now one one conversation i think is that is going to get a lot of anger from fans but could also wind up being very interesting is whether or not the Giants should try to find that receiver highly in the draft. Yesterday, as we record this, it's yesterday, we saw Jerry Judy absolutely go off. And he had, I believe it was what, 204 yards on six receptions against Michigan in the bowl game on New Year's Day. That would be an intriguing conversation for the Giants at fourth overall. As much as people do not want to hear that. And the great thing, though, if they don't take Jerry Judy and if they decide to be a little bit conservative, there's so much receiver talent in this draft. We said this during the season, during the bye week, when we started evaluating, did our, our, our first base level evaluation of these position groups. This receiver class, I would argue, is the most talented one we've seen in the last decade. It is incredibly deep. There are so many good players, and you could get a, a you know, an AJ Brown type player that is a second round guy that leads all rookies in the second round this season. So maybe in the second round early on in the second round, they could take somebody there that is still available. Maybe that slid a little bit would make things perfect for the giants. I'm still a firm believer that the giants should trade back. I still think that we're not, we don't need to dive into that too much, but if they trade back, it gives them the chance to take somebody else. That's a little bit more, has a little bit more talent in the first round as a receiver, and then also fill another need like the offensive line. So speaking of the offensive line, let's now discuss the weaknesses of this roster. There's very clearly significant weaknesses, and the weaknesses that we have here seem to be the ones that weigh down the team the most. And first one being, like I said, is the offensive line. Now, there are good players on this on this unit. Kevin Zeitler, Will Hernandez, that's basically it. Right now, John Jalapio, uh, Mike Remmers is a bit of a, a question mark, and Nate Solder is very clearly a liability, but they likely won't move on from him because of the financial commitment they have to him. So th- this unit, I'm not very confident in. They need to draft somebody 
uh, to play right tackle uh, or maybe center, and then they should also sign somebody in free agency. Yeah, definitely. In fact, they could probably stand to draft a couple offensive linemen just to get somebody to start at right tackle, potentially start at center, and also it would be nice to get some young guys in that developmental pipeline. So when the Giants do move on from Nate Solder, they'll have somebody who can step up and take that job. Or when they decide to move on from Kevin Zeitler, they'll have a guard ready. That would be terrific and something they just do not have right now. Pro Football Focus rated the Giants offensive line as 17th in the league, but that was really mostly due to the work of Kevin Zeitler and Will Hernandez. They charged Nate Solder with the most pressures in the league, giving up 57, which is seven more than any other player. And Solder and Remmers combined to give up 97. So Remmers gave up 40 pressures. That is just not good enough. That's not going to get it next year. That is, some, that is, again, a unit they just really need to address. Free agency, the draft, they have to keep working on it yeah and and stockpiling those offensive linemen would be a a good approach to developing some people maybe they're not ready to play right away but you can develop them and play them in a few seasons if you take them in the third fourth fifth round wherever although the Giants don't have a third round pick so that doesn't even apply because they traded for Leonard Williams other current glaring weakness is linebacker and I simply wrote down who because there's nobody in the line grab linebacking group that I can even say is is good. There's no one that I really can be confident in. Um, Lorenzo Carter is an outside linebacker and an edge rusher, so I wouldn't really put him in this conversation. I'm more talking those inside guys, the guys that are at the second level most of the time, like Alc Ogletree and all of the other issues that they had were because they did not have depth there. Alec Ogletree did not look good this season. Ryan Connolly got hurt very early on and looked very promising, but still, you don't really know how good he's going to be. They need to definitely spend money on a linebacker. It's going to be tough trying to get one in the draft and getting one that's ready to play and contribute right away. So spending money in free agency to fill the linebacking position is going to be very, very key. Yeah, definitely. You know, the... Alec Ogletree is he is just not proving to be worth the trade, the contract that came along with him. It is frustrating to see him stand there and cover grass while receivers and running backs and tight ends run past him to make plays. Dan Buchanan was fine as a midseason acquisition. David Mayo was fine as a guy who was brought in to be a special teams player and was forced to step up and Ryan Conley like you said he was prompt he looked promising but that would he basically played a game and a half that is a super small sample size we just don't know what he is right now and other than that the Giants really don't have anything they need a starter a quarterback for the defense and they could probably use one or two young guys to develop again at like where pretty much every other position they could I think transition Lorenzo Carter to an off-ball role kind of like a uh, Anthony Barr type player except more athletic that might even suit his skill set better than 
trying to make him an edge rushing outside linebacker slash defensive end. So, but that will be something for the next coaching staff to consider. Yeah, there's really going to be a lot that the next coaching staff will have to deal with, especially figuring out to, how to properly manage the talent that they have and also filling and attacking these needs. We're going to discuss some of the underrated and overrated position groups, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, to cap things off, first off, who do we think is the most underrated position group? What position group maybe doesn't receive as much praise as you would expect and should be? And my pick here, though, has to be the tight end position. If this unit is completely healthy, you have three quality players that if you wanted to, you could run a three tight end set, but still you have that rotational, those three rotational pieces that you could put anyone in there to go out there, make a big play. You have Evan Ingram, who is more of a receiving threat and is developing more into a blocker, but still the clear best receiving threat of this group. Rhett Ellison, the better blocker out of all three of them. And then Caden Smith, was such a pleasant surprise at the end of the season when he was getting significant snaps, had multiple big games where wasn't really taking them over but caught touchdowns, uh, had impacts in the red zone, was able to pick up chunk yardage for Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. Having somebody like Caden Smith, though, really adds some extra depth and it allows you to develop him and improve him and have three guys that can start if in the event any of them go down, which we saw a number of injury issues this season. Yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely agree with you with the tight end position. I would like to see the next offensive coordinator really, really use them as a weapon to attack the defense because Evan Ingram should be one of the premier matchup nightmares in the NFL. He should be regarded in the same sentence as Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Evan Ingram should be right there with them. He is more athletic than any of them. And really the only thing holding him back other than injuries, which yeah, I, I don't want to get on him for a foot sprain those can happen the, those can happen to anyone just you can step onto a curb wrong and sprain your foot and those take forever to come back from but really what has held evan ingram back from being in that conversation with just the other nightmare matchup tight ends has been the Giants coaching staffs for some reason neither ben mcadoo nor pat Shermer could figure out how to call a seam route for Ingram. For some reason, they both insisted on making half of his catches just simple three-yard crossing patterns. And I believe, really believe, that if these guys were used a little bit better, a little bit more aggressively, they wouldn't be underrated at all. They would be really one of the more highly regarded tight end units in the NFL. 
That's a really good point you just had there, Chris, that if they played to their potential, they wouldn't be underrated. But because Evan Ingram is constantly hurt, we don't get to see enough of him. So the past two years have been riddled with injuries for him, and it's not really been good to to get a full sample size of what he's capable of. But we see these games here and there where he can take over, he can have these huge plays, pick up huge chunks, be a splash player. And, you know, maybe if he can't stay on the field this this next season, the following season, they won't bring him back. But we're hoping that he can develop and stay healthy and, and, and be that threat he's capable of being, making this tight end group potentially scary. Now, overrated, though, and this is going to, sound a bit surprising and I know uh, as soon as I say it people are going to be quick to say like what the hell are you talking about but hear me out I think that the most overrated position group for the Giants is the running back position when I say that I'm not saying Saquon Barkley is overrated because I still firmly believe he is a top three running back in the NFL the reason why I'm saying that this position group is overrated is because too much stock is put in how good Saquon Barkley is and I don't think anyone realizes that the Giants don't have anyone that's good enough to be a, a number two running back. And Wayne Gallman, we didn't see anything from him towards the end of the season. He had one good game against the Washington Redskins, and other than that, he hasn't really done much. If you want to be good and productive in the NFL, if you have a super talented running back, he's going to get hurt occasionally. He's going to miss games and some snaps here and there. To keep him healthier and prolong his career, you need to get a, a one-two punch, somebody that's a little bit bigger, a little bit heftier, um, that can be, you know, serve the, the role of being a power back, or you go on the opposite of that, getting someone smaller and shiftier to be a third down receiving type player like Alvin Kamara. And I think that the Giants could have significant success if they could have two very talented running backs. Don't need to get someone that's going to be a, you know, a top 15 player, but somebody that could, if you put them in there, make big plays and be a, a significant splash player. Yeah. And this is, Another group where I kind of feel like the coaching staffs have held the players back. Saquon Barkley is just freakish enough that he can make magic happen on any given play. He can make a silk purse out of a sow's ear of a play call. He can make an entire defense miss and then outrun them. But you don't want to ask a guy to do that 30 times a game. That's not going to be a consistent way to run an offense, which is what we have seen from the last two years. Just running him up into the butts of the offensive linemen and hoping he can cut back and just be Superman is not going to – it's just not going to be a consistent offense. That is going to lead to a Barry Sanders offense where he's getting no yards, a loss of two, a gain of three, a gain of six, a loss of a yard, and then maybe breaking off a 60-yard touchdown run. I'm right there with you that the Giants need to get a backup who can make them feel comfortable with Barkley being on the bench for a series. Let him rest. Let him just not wear himself down to the point where injury is inevitable. Also, maybe a guy where they could feel comfortable having two running backs on the field because there are a lot of interesting things you can do with that formation and alignment. But also just an offense that puts these guys in positions to use their talent. You brought up Alvin Kamara. The way the Saints use him is absolutely brilliant. Lining him up at receiver, getting him the ball in space, engineering favorable matchups for him. 
they aren't just asking him to do everything and to make five guys miss in the backfield and, and then two more at the second level. They are scheming him opportunities and then letting his talent take over and then make the magic happen, which that I think is what the next step is. That and obviously improving the offensive line are the next steps for getting the most out of Saquon Barkley. Yeah, the offensive line is going to be really key for making him more productive and being able to not just have those big splash plays, but be able to actually take over games with consistent efforts. But drafting someone for the Giants as a receiving addition, I think would be very, very helpful. There's a, a, a deep running back class this year, not as crazy as it's been over the past few years. It's a bit top heavy, but still there are a, a number of guys that the Giants could look to that would fill that and also be an, uh, you know another option for Daniel Jones in the offense and whoever takes over as offensive coordinator just to make things a bit more diverse for this team. That's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And then also, like we spoke of at the beginning of the show, feel free to start sending us your questions about the roster, evaluating, breaking things down, whatever you want us to break down. We can 100% do so. Uh, just send us anything you have to our Gmail account, bigblueview at gmail.com, or adding us on Twitter at bigblueview. You can at me at Joe DeLeon, D E L E O N E, and you can also tag Chris at RaptorMKII. That is going to be it from us. Have a wonderful rest of your day.